Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Father, anoint your word and anoint everyone that hears it today. May your word challenge us, change us, so we can be engaged in your work. Lord, we don't want to just spectate and watch things happen. We want to be involved. And so today, as you remind us of our vision, may you speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, big amen. Amen. Our vision and who we are as Watoto is not going to change. From the moment God founded this church through our founders, Gary and Marilyn, we're a church. And God began to define and shape who we are, and that is not going to change. And so we are taking some time to revisit uh, who we are as Watoto and going back to the vision that God has given to us. We're going to continue to grow and multiply. You heard what uh, Pastor Brian just shared here. Next year, we celebrate 40 years. And, you know, we asked ourselves as church leadership, what gift can we give to God for being faithful to us? And so we thought in our hearts that one of the things that excites God is when a church is planted. It excites because Jesus is building his church. So we thought, let's set a radical goal. Let's see. If together as Watoto family, we can plant five more locations so that as we celebrate 40, we will be at 20 locations. Now that is aggressive, but the greatest room in the world is the room to dream. And so we got to keep dreaming and we got to dream big. But I've got good news for you. We have two that are already on the way. And one of them is Watoro Church Nansana. Yeah! That is is the most populated suburb of Kampala. So many people, in fact, some people come to downtown from Nansana. And we want to go there, so do be praying with us as we get ready for Nansana. And the second one that I would like you to be praying about, of course, we've wanted this for a long time, but finally God is beginning to show us and answer our prayers, Watoro Church Gayaza. (laughs) Yeah, that's exciting. And so this week we're going to begin having conversations. We've identified a property and uh, we're going to have, you know, negotiations with the owner. And please do pray with us. As you keep giving, we will keep growing. We will keep reaching people with the love of Jesus. We are committed to doing that. But uh, that's the growing and multiplying part. But at the heart of who we are, we are a cell-based church. And uh, we've taken time to talk about that. We started last week, and I'm going to continue with it this week as we conclude that part there. You know, life is better together. Life is better together. When the early believers who were so passionate about Jesus 
they believed in him and their lives changed. And when people saw the life change in them, they also wanted that Jesus. And many people, when you read the book of Acts, began to follow Jesus. The church was expanding. And the rate of expansion of the church and the believers began to be a concern to the political leaders of the day, the Roman uh, rulers of the day, but also the religious leaders of the day who actually were dominating and uh, trying to Keep the people worshipping them instead of connecting with God. And that's what they were doing. So they just took them through religious practices, but never having a relationship with God. And when Jesus came, it all changed. And as lives were beginning to be impacted and growth was happening, they began to persecute and hurt and harm the believers. And so the believers began to scatter. They began to spread around and running for their lives. But wherever they went, they shared the love of Jesus. And the church began to continue growing. At some point, some of them began to grow weary. And in fact, some of them began to question whether this Jesus that they were following was worth following. Some began to give up on their faith. And so the book of Hebrews in the Bible was actually written to those Christians who had been scattered. And the writer in the book of Hebrews begins to tell them, don't you dare try to quit on your faith in Jesus. In fact, the first chapters are about telling them that Jesus is more superior than anyone. No angel can come close to who Jesus is. No Old Testament figure can come close to who Jesus is. All of them were pointing to the coming of Jesus. He's more superior. His sacrifice when he died on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sin is sufficient. What the blood of animals couldn't do, the blood of Jesus did. You don't need any other savior, only one. His name is Jesus but also began to encourage them not to quit on their faith. That's why you find a lot of faith in the book of Hebrews. One thing, though, that the writer addressed was this idea of doing life together. And here's what he said to them in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And he says, not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. Some of the believers had quit on doing life together with others. And carries on and he says, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He recognized and noticed that the reason some of them were beginning to lose focus the reason some of them were beginning to, falter, beginning to falter in their faith is that they had given up to meeting with one another. They had given up on doing life together. One of the biggest lies of Satan is that you can do life alone. That is a huge lie. There are four needs Every human being on planet earth has. Regardless of your status in life. Regardless of where you're from. 
there are four needs every human being has. The first one is this. We were all created for relationship. We were created to live in community. When God said to Adam in the Bible, it's not good for man to be alone, it wasn't just in the context of marriage. It was a life principle being established. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good to try and do life alone. You know, it's interesting. As human beings, we think we can. But when you go to the jungle, to the wild, even animals understand that scripture. Animals know the day you choose to be alone, you become food for the enemy. And the safest way to live in the wild is to live with others in community. It's not good for man to be alone. We are created for relationship. The second need every single human being has is a spiritual need. We all have a God-shaped vacuum inside of us. The Bible says God has placed eternity in our hearts. We have a longing to connect with the spiritual being, a supernatural being. And in fact, in the book of Genesis, you see how God loved to come and relate with Adam and Eve. But when sin came, sin messed up that relationship. But Jesus came to fix that relationship again. Now, if you don't believe that we all have a spiritual need and a God-shaped vacuum inside of us, every human being somehow longs to connect with a being who is unlimited. And many people who don't do it through Jesus will do it through other ways. You'll find people here in our context, they will go to worship mountains. They are worshiping trees and hills. Why? Because they are longing for some spiritual connection. Once Vanita and I were uh, in the U.S. and they took us to this place where lots of people go, a big, big deal. And we found that one of the things people go to do there was not just to indulge in wickedness, but one of them was to try and fill this spiritual void. And so on the side of the street, there were lots of people seated and there were fortune tellers and spiritists. You pay some little money and then you sit they read your palms and begin to tell you about your future. And they are making money because they know people have a spiritual need. We all have a spiritual need inside of us. The third human need of, of every person, every human being, is that we all have potential on the inside of us and we want to see that potential come out. The way we describe it is, I have a dream in my heart. That, that is an expression of, there's something inside me that I want to see come out. Every human being has potential that is waiting to be unleashed. It's like 
that egg, which is simply a chick trapped inside, one day it will crack and it will begin to spread its wings. Every single one of us has potential waiting to be unleashed. But the final need every human being has is this. We all want to live a life of impact. We all desire to make a difference in somebody else's life. You know what? You will never consume everything God gives you. In fact, the reason God blesses us is so we can be a blessing. The greatest satisfaction you can get is seeing another life changed. And it is in us. It's right there. But when sin came into the world, sin began to destroy those things. Destroy our relationships. Destroy our relationship with God. Sin began to bring a despising on us where we underlook our potential. And also instead of having a life of impact, we start to destroy one another. Do you know what? God in his grace has provided a way where all those four needs can be met. And here at Watoto, those four needs, you can find them in a cell family. In a cell family. These we call the pillars of cell life. But they're not just pillars of cell life, cell family life. These are actually pillars of life. This is how we do life together. It is in that small group. So let me start to address these pillars today uh, as we conclude the idea of being a cell-based community church. The first pillar is our cell families exist so you and I can have meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships. And those words are very intentional. We all have relationships in life with so many people, but not many of them are meaningful. Think about how many people like you on Facebook. You don't even know them. We're on WhatsApp groups trying to interact with virtual people we don't even meet. Some don't even care. That you exist. You, you may be having relationships at work, but the only reason you connect at work is around achieving work goals. Meaningful relationships is about building relationships that are beyond work. These are relationships for life. And our self families are designed to give you an opportunity to connect with like-minded people. When you come into a cell family, you can let your hair down and just be who you are. We all need that. We all need those meaningful relationships. Here's a scripture in Proverbs, chapter 18 and verse 24. There are persons for companionship. But then, there are friends who are more loyal than family. Wow. 
you can find those in a cell family. Let me share a story. When we became a cell-based church in the middle of the 90s, and it was a revelation God gave uh, to Pastor Gary and Marilyn. I mean, amazing that the only way we would continue to grow large is by becoming smaller and meeting in homes, in cell families. And here's why. You can't have a meaningful relationship with a thousand people. It's usually in small context. People that really know you and people that you really know. And so there's a couple that was living in Europe, uh, Ugandans, and they felt it was time to move back. They came back to Uganda and heard they were looking for a church. And they came to Watoto and were really inspired by this idea of doing life together in small groups. And so they signed up to host a small group in their home. These couple are professors. And the first bunch of people that came for the small group were teenagers. Because Uganda is a young nation. So teenagers show up. And you know what? They didn't feel like, oh no, why am I trying to do life with teenagers? They saw their role in that small group as dad and mom. And they began to develop a relationship with these teenagers who are longing to have a sort of a mentor. That's, that's the whole idea of meaningful relationship. And at one point, they, they were discussing and said, how can we have impact in the community? And they, they talked about many things that they could do. And one of them said, there's a family that I know in my neighborhood. They just lost their mother. Maybe let's go and visit them and see how we can care. And in that small group, they said, all right, guess who went to check out the family? It was the teenagers. When they got there, they were shocked. This family was living in a semi-permanent house. They'd lost their mom and there were eight children. The dad was trying to look after them. The dad was a casual laborer in the community. He was washing clothes. He tried to join building sites. But unfortunately, he was also a drunkard. So the little money he would make, he would drink. It was a family that was struggling. These teenagers were so moved in their hearts, they went back and shared with the other adults in the small group. Said, can we do something for them? And the adults said, yes, let's do something. And the basic thing they tried to address is education for those children. So said, let's do something. Put them in schools that are nearby so that these children can have a dream. The second thing they did was to start a children's small group. So these children would come and have a sense of belonging in this home. And the teenagers began to lead. And unfortunately later, the dad also passed away. And they were kicked out of their home. Now this is where the reality of meaningful relationships comes. The self-family said, these children are now a part of our family. We cannot abandon them. They decided to distribute the children into their homes. Okay. When we talk about meaningful relationship, it is beyond high, high. It is deeper than that. It is I care about you genuinely. One of the girls stayed in the wholesale host's home. This professor, they did everything to help on education until she graduated in university. And a few weeks ago, I was right here on this platform doing her wedding, officiating her marriage. 
I was so excited. And I, I, I was, first of all, I'm excited when any two people say they're getting married. I hadn't known the story until after the wedding when the professor came to me and one of the cell leaders and told me their story. I just thought, that's, that is doing life together. As if that wasn't enough. Last week I got to discover, actually yesterday, I got to discover when I was chatting with the, the, one of their cell leaders, the gentleman met her in small group. Meaningful relationship. Some of you are here, you're telling us to pray for you, for a spouse. Your spouse might be waiting for your next step to join a small group. That's how they met. And today they've started a family. Meaningful relationships. We're created for relationship. The way we do it is in our cell families. Meaningful relationships. Secondly, um, it is uh, around this idea of spiritual growth. Here's the reality. You are either growing spiritually or dying. There's nothing like being spiritually neutral. It's not there. You're either growing or dying. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus and you're not growing. And in a small group environment, you get an opportunity to grow. Here's what Proverbs says. I love it. Proverbs 27 verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The way you become spiritually sharp is when you engage with other believers in a non-threatening environment, in a self-family, where you can ask the questions you're afraid to talk about. When it comes to your life with your relationship with God. You see, when you come to church, you're going to be blessed. The worship, we come and celebrate. It's powerful. It's a witness. You get to hear the word of God, but you don't get a chance to interact and ask questions. So in a cell family, you get to see it. Our cell families, we don't have a preacher. There's no super spiritual person in the cell family. We gather as brothers and sisters and we start to discuss God's word. And you just start to have a conversation. And you begin to ask questions. You begin to hear perspectives. As you do that, you begin to grow spiritually. Someone will give you an idea of a book to read. It's like, have you read this book? All this way. We pray for each other. Amen. In a cell family, there is no way you will be spiritually stagnated. You are. Because we gather around the word of God. That's what we do. I love how Paul's desire for uh, the church in, in the book of Colossians is. Colossians chapter 1 and verses 9 to 10. And by the way, remember he's writing to the church not like we understand it today. This was a church that was scattered. They were meeting in small groups in houses. And here was his desire. For this reason, we have not stopped praying for you, asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all spiritual wisdom with insight into his purposes. What a desire here. And in understanding of spiritual things so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity. To fully please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clearer insight, and fervent love for his precepts. How can you accomplish this in a small group setting? That's where Paul's letter was addressed. He was desiring. The people in that small cell family would actually grow deeper in their knowledge of God. I attend my small group with my wife, not as a pastor. I attend as a brother. And I sit and I've been blessed. Sometimes I wish I could preach the sermon. After small group. Because in small group I get insights that I didn't thought about. And I get to learn. None of us is too spiritual to learn from a small group. So spiritual growth is the second pillar of our cell life. Our cell life families and how we do that. The third is leadership development. Because there's potential on the inside of you. You need to find a place where you can safely explore your potential. Where you can begin to exercise the gifts on the inside of you. We all have gifts and self-family is an opportunity. Here's a scripture in Romans chapter 12 that talks about the gifts we have. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then it says, if your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Different gifts that we all have. In a self-family environment, you can exercise your gifts and you have freedom to fail. There are some of us who say, you wait when I get the opportunity and get a job as a supervisor. You're going to see the leader. I am like, no, no, no. Okay? Don't wait for the big opportunity to try and begin taking risks. Begin to be faithful where you are. Here's the biblical principle. If you're faithful with the little, God will entrust you with more. And being in a small group helps you to exercise your gifts. In a small way while he's preparing you for the big thing he has for your life. I want you to watch this video story that simply reflects this truth. 
that cell families exist for leadership development. When the cell vision came to KPC then, I trained and then I became a cell leader and I have been in cell since. When we started the cell ministry, for me, it was a family. It was a family that where I could grow, where I could learn many things. And indeed, that is what happened. In the cell, as a new believer, I learned how to pray. I learned how to read the word of God, but also the aspiration to lead. I was like, I, I can actually do that. So the training opportunity was timely, and then I learned how to lead the cell. I was interviewing for Commissioner Domestic Taxes at the Uganda Revenue Authority. And at the interviewing panel, one of the panel members asked me a question. You are going to lead a department of 750 people. However, you have only been leading five people. How are you going to lead the 750? You don't have the experience. As I reflected, the Holy Spirit reminded me that as a zone leader, while leading a zone in the Kajansi area, the very same principles that I used can actually apply in leading this particular department. I had been practicing it, but it is when it dawned on me that these are principles that apply across the board. They do not only apply in church, they do not only apply as a zone leader, they apply everywhere. So if you are aspiring to lead, then you need to be part of the cell. Be faithful in using your gifts, be faithful in creating meaningful relationships with uh, the people that are in the cell and see the needs in the community. That's what leadership is about. It is about solutions in the community. Amazing. Amazing. Jackie, actually, Opondo is, is, is now, she leads our community care initiatives, our homes. Where did it begin? In cell. In cell. Where did I learn personally to lead? I started learning to lead in cell. From when I was a teenager, I joined a cell. And then at the university in cell. I remember when I was challenged to plant cells in, in the hostels. We never had any cells in hostel. And I had to begin thinking, how do you approach people to open up their rooms for cell? You learn principles that will enable you to fulfill God's vision for your life. Leadership development. I'm going to end with community engagement. And this one, I'm not going to spend time on it. But, and we will talk about it in the weeks that are coming ahead. Our small groups don't just exist for themselves. They exist as vehicles for community transformation. Listen, my friends, the way healing will come to the cities and the nations is not by waiting for the government to come and fix some things in our communities. God wants to use his people. You and I can be engaged in a small way to make some differences in our community. We do that through what we call seed projects and acts of love. The, the story I shared with you, a small community of believers in a cell family rescued an entire family from disaster. 
They didn't need to wait for government. We have seen so many small groups that have done small things that have had huge impact in community. As simple as putting and painting a zebra crossing so that our children can cross safely as they go to school. Simple things like making sure there's a clean water supply point in the community. And you see, when we say community engagement, we don't do things for the community. We do things with the community. At the end of the day, not only are community lives impacted, Jesus is glorified. People begin to say, who are you and where are you from? And you simply tell them, I am a part of this community and the reason we are doing this together is because we love God. God loves you. God loves this community and together we can make our communities livable again. You begin to have impact where government cannot have impact. Those four pillars are not just for self-family. They are pillars for life. We are a cell-based community church. Join us, cell family, today. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey, hey,